unity in our differences from the sermon series, United, spoken by Pastor Doug Cho. Brianna Taylor. I hope that... Um, That'll be a name that we remember, that we honor. Last week, Pastor Sunita gave a word on our unity and reconciliation. And she called us to action towards each other in that as we reconcile with each other, as we continue in that path, we become more united. And that's what God um, teaches us and models for us. And that you're not going to get it perfect, this reconciliation. That no one has it perfect. No one knows everything. And therefore, we're not called to cancel each other, but we're called to further push into reconciliation with one another. Our nation has a lot of heavy news this week, a lot of violence, a lot of outrage, frustration, anger, grief, finger-pointing, But we are called to reconcile further to each other. And that's why as we continue in this series, I'm convinced more and more that unity is not a homogenous group of people that come together, that look like each other, that think the same things and, you know, agree with everything. I was talking about this with Pastor David, and he said something that I love. He said, we're called to unity, not uniformity. We're called to unity, not uniformity. And I love this because I believe that the truest unity, the fullest unity that we can see on this side of glory is different peoples from different backgrounds, from different life stories, different contexts coming together and being united and centered on Christ. And so while we will be like-minded because we're centered on Christ, we're centered on Scripture, and while we will be united at the table together because we're followers of Christ, we will be different. Unity in our differences is what we're focusing on today. And specifically, um, We're going to be focusing on differences uh, like gifting, roles, and what God has to say about those things. But before we jump into our text, uh, I'd I'd like us to pray together.
Father, I pray that all my brothers and sisters have time to pray right now and have a moment of silence with you. And that, Lord, that you would convict them, that you would hear them, and that they would hear your voice. That you would steady hearts that are grieving. That you would encourage people. That you would draw people near to each other and near to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text today is 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, but before we go into it, I, I just want to bring up some context we, ha we have here. Because Paul's talking a lot about a lot of things. Paul's addressing the church and the church as a body. Right? Many different parts coming to make up one body. And if we do a brief overview of this church, the church in Corinth is not doing well. In fact, he's not happy with this church at all. Even though they're a very gifted church, right? People within the church are having these intense spiritual experiences and moments. People are speaking in tongues. Uh, they're prophesying. They're doing all these things. And others are even having these profound um, revelations about God. And they're all just trying to speak up, right? They're all speaking out and they're trying to share these things. But despite their gifting, despite all the things that they're experiencing, it's chaotic and it's distracting. Paul even mentions in chapter 11 that he gives no praise to this church for their gatherings. None. He has no praise for them whatsoever. People are forming factions based on who they follow, right? Paul versus Apollos versus Peter. And they become divisive in this way because they think one is better than the other. Like that matters. They're jealous dissatisfied with gifting. So that's the context we're looking at right now. And Paul addresses the body like so. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians 12. Here we go. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we're going to stop here. This, these verses, they set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. Diversity in the body. This is the time where he brings up this concept of the body of Christ. And I know the body of Christ is something you've heard a lot if you've been going to church for a long time. Right? It's uh, very uh, frequently used language. But I think it's actually very interesting that Paul chooses this idea of the body, the concept of calling the church the body. And there's two reasons why. The first is that within a body, unity is required to function. 
within a body, unity is required to function. Think about it. So Paul says we are called in one spirit, we're in one body, and that no matter who you are, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, you drink of one spirit. No matter who you are, we're called to this oneness, this unity here. And this oneness is in our purpose, right? What we're going to be doing, that is making disciples for Christ, that is loving ourselves as we love our neighbors, that is loving God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and everything that we have in it. And that is what we are to do as we um, continue to be sanctified and identify further with this, this new life that we found in Christ, right? We are all freed and alive in Christ. And this oneness that we have with each other that is our witness to the world. We talked about that weeks ago. Our oneness, our unity is our witness to the world. However, within a body, many things need to happen even before purpose is carried out. Unity is a requirement for function and survival. Right? There can be no idle parts in a body. Think about this. If a body part, pick a body part, whatever, ceases to function, God forbid it's your heart, your lungs, something inside, what happens? You die. There can be no idle part in the body. We must be working together in unity before purpose even comes into the picture. The second point that I think that is very important to note is that a body, right? Think about your own body, right? Is something that we take for granted but obsess about all at once, right? What do I mean by this? How many people do you know take inventory of every single part of your body, right? I'm talking about every single muscle, every organ. There's not many. And if there are, then we tend to call them hypochondriacs, right? Maybe you check your weight once a day or something like that. Or how many of you count each breath that you take every day? Right On average, the, the adult human being takes 20,000 breaths a day. Have you ever counted each breath that you've taken throughout the day? No, the answer is no. But even though we take for granted these things, what happens right when there's an issue with our bodies? What happens when there's an issue with our lungs? Then each breath becomes very important. Each breath becomes something that you're very, very aware of, right? Even if you experience uh, a small cut on your hand, what happens when you shower, right? It is the most painful thing in the world to shower with a cut on your hand. It's actually one of the most annoying things to, to wash your hair when you have a paper cut on one of your fingers, right? It's very noticeable. You have a lot of attention on that area. We take for granted our body, but we're very focused on it at the same time. I think it's funny. Um, there's a people out there who are disgusted by feet. Feet are just things that they want nothing to do with. They hate being near feet. They hate the idea of feet. They, don't, they hate looking at feet. They just want nothing to do with feet. Well, my wife is disgusted by her own feet, right? She wants nothing to do with her own feet. 
So my wife is pregnant. Uh, we're going to have our baby in December. So she's very pregnant right now. And her feet are very swollen because God bless my wife. She's working full time right now. I'm going to give a shout out to her. She's working full time right now. She's in school right now. Her feet are very swollen because she is very pregnant. So when she comes home, you know, the best thing I can do for her is to rub her feet. Right? And so I, I lotion my hands and I'm, I'm rubbing her feet. And guess what? I'm the gross one for rubbing her feet. I'm the gross one for rubbing her feet. Doesn't, doesn't really make sense to me, but okay. Right? And so the question I have for those who are disgusted by either by their own feet or just feet in general is, what do you think would happen if one day, you know, they woke up from sleep, they took the covers off their bed and their feet were gone? What, would, what do you think would happen? Do you think they'd say, praise the Lord, I didn't want them anyway? <laughs> no. They'd freak out, right? Where are my feet? How am I supposed to walk on these stubs? Right? They would not understand or they would be so scared, shocked. They would call the doctor, call 911. All this to say is we take many things for granted in the body. We do. And we have taken many things for granted in our church. When we were still meeting at church, um, many of us sat in chairs, right, in the audience. The auditorium used to be filled with chairs that just magically appeared every morning and we'd come in and sit down because we had a wonderful part of the body that was setting up those chairs. They would set up all this stuff and it would just be ready for service. And I would say, and I'm willing to bet, that you would notice if you had to come in and set up everything yourself, wouldn't you? We take things in the body for granted. We're actually currently living in a time where we might miss things we took for granted. A live service, I miss it. I took it for granted. Live worship, kids ministry. I know many of you parents miss kids ministry very much. I know many of you miss hanging out in the foyer area to drink coffee and talk to people, just saying hi to people on a Sunday. I don't think any of us imagined those things would be all swept away from and taken away from us. We take many things in the body for granted, but yet all of the body is precious. Verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. What these verses are talking about is discontent with the functions that we're serving in. Because I am not something else, surely I have no place in this body. Right? Because I'm not involved in what I want to do, right? God doesn't see me. God doesn't acknowledge me. Right? These are lies, right? Because I am not leading in a certain aspect, because I'm not noticed in a certain way, I'm not blessed. I'm not important to God. These are lies. And what we have to note here is that discontent with our function is very contrary to God's heart for the body of Christ. And the reverse, the reverse goes for the same. So the reverse is something like this. I am not good enough 
to be fulfilling this role in the body. The reverse is I am not qualified enough to be fulfilling this role in the body. It is only God who qualifies. It is only God who places each part in the body. Uh, prior in, verse, uh, in chapter 12, it says the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God alone is the one who distributes the gifts. It is only up to God. Who are we to say? Who are we to say where we should be, dictate where we belong, where to go, how we should serve? And who are we to ignore the calling on our lives? Who are we to ignore the opportunities that come before us. Each part of the body remains part of the body regardless of how it feels. And more, more importantly, we must remember we were called and created and crafted with care and purpose. And each purpose cannot be measured by our own standards. Yeah, I had a professor uh, in seminary. He said something that really stuck with me. When you think about creation and the way God created people, you know, he, he breathed life. His breath is in you. His breath is in you. When he made Eve, his fingertips were on those bones. There is an immense, an immense amount of intimacy in that picture, of care in that picture. So who are we to say? Who are we to say that we are not enough or we do not belong? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? This verse is talking about diversity in the body because it's absurd for the whole body to be one member. Think about it, right? Giant eye, giant ear, that's kind of absurd. It's kind of weird. There's no individuality and there's a loss of function in the body, right? It's not, not only is a giant eye disturbing, it can't do much on its own. Same thing for a giant ear can't do much on its own. So basically, to envy others or to hold others in contempt is ridiculous because that means you lost sight of the body of Christ and how we are called to this unity, how every part is necessary. And you know what I hate mo most? I hate this, this, um, this pervading church culture that we have, that the mature Christian must rise up and fulfill some sort of leadership as they mature, as they grow, right? It's almost like we're resume building when we start in faith, right? And we must resume build when we need, we need to keep track of uh, who taught us, what we learned, how we served, what we served in, how it panned out. And we, we have this resume, actually, that brings us to this point where we become all these leaders in church, and I, I do believe that a lot of it comes from Western corporate and social media culture, this idea of climbing up, climbing up the ladder, climb, 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 right? Getting a bigger platform, uh, catchier one-liners, bigger voice, louder voice. 
Come on. If the whole body were a mouth, what good would that be? We have a lot of wannabe mouths at our church. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about Metro. In particular, I'm talking about the greater church. We have a lot of wannabe mouths. But I believe all churches, every church, we're in need of more ankles. We need members who are quietly and actively engaging in systems that manage multiple axes of direction and movement, who are capable of handling tension and change behind the scenes, who are good at bearing weight, who are good at propelling forward, who are strong supports. Because within the body, if the ankles fail, then the knees fail. And if the knees fail, then the hips fail. And then the body begins to fall apart. We literally stand on these members of our churches. We literally move forward on these members. That is how crucial they are. So if you're not noticed, if you never find yourself on a stage, that's okay. That's fine. God knows. God knows what you're doing for the body. If no one ever announces your name or compliments you or, you know, shouts you out, that's okay. God knows. And he's so pleased with how you are serving. See, the simplest act of love is more than enough. Is more than enough. So as long as you are faithful where you are called to serve within the body, great is your reward in heaven because faithfulness is what brings God glory and great pleasure. I hope that's our worship, faithfulness to the body. How has God called you to serve even now? You know, that's tough, right? I get it. A lot of our ministries, um, they're not really doing much now, right? The setup ministry doesn't set up anymore because there's nothing to set up. People don't come in anymore, things like that. But if you do think about it, we have all this, um, I would say, I would call it social space because we are socially distancing now. This is a great time to serve your families, spiritually invest in your families. If you have children, I hope that you are desperate to disciple your children now because you are the ones. You know, you're inter- probably interacting with them more than ever. Friends, family, invest in each other. Love on each other in that way. Reach out to someone. Pray for them. You know why it's uncomfortable to ask someone to pray at first? It's because you don't do it. The more you do it, it's not a big deal. Just ask. It's not a big deal. Invest in each other in this way. This is a great time to do it, to serve each other, 
to serve and to love on each other spiritually, our families and our friends and people within our more intimate circles. Why not, right? The food pantry is something that I want to highlight right now, though, because although it seems like there were not many opportunities to serve, the food pantry is, I would say, one of the most incredible opportunities that our church has ever taken on to serve our community and to serve God's kingdom. To this day, our church serves hundreds of people each week through the food pantry. If you're not really involved, you probably don't even know who's helping out. But we have people going to Costco literally back, uh, bringing back back-breaking amounts of food. Literally. They have to pack a huge van to bring it back. Admin folks who have to set up and organize everything, plan out what we need, plan out how we're going to do it. People to distribute the food. That's important, to pack it up, distribute it, to pack it away, to make sure we have, uh, it doesn't go bad. People to greet families that come for food. Right? We need uh, that warmth, that welcoming. I'm sure I'm missing some. But these people, these parts of the body, have made up a major foundation of how our church is engaging our community even during COVID. The serving opportunities are there. Are you looking for them? I guarantee you there's something. Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them. I love this verse. This is my favorite verse here, and this is actually the crux of uh, what I wanted to get at. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 18 is so important here, because I just want you to think about how, how it's worded. God placed every part of the body just as he wanted them to be. In other translations, it translates to he placed each part as he desired them to be. Another translation says he placed uh, the parts uh, as he pleased. There's purpose. There's function. There is pleasure in how this body is arranged, in where God places his people. That when you serve right where he has placed you, it gives him pleasure and you are fulfilling his desire. Again, when you are faithful where you are, no matter if you think you are over or underqualified, you bring God pleasure and glory. You bring God pleasure and glory when you serve that way. That is what faithfulness is. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, 
But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Some time ago, Pastor Shirley, our special needs pastor, gave a sermon on this text. And I think she did such a great job with it and applying this word to our special needs community. Uh, I heard her speak and, you know, I heard um, there's a call here to give special honor to the parts of our body that may need special treatment. And how this special honor is the love that we give to each other. And I don't know, maybe it's because I got caught up on how well she read it, right? Because when she read it, she said, like, the eye cannot say, I don't need you, right? And that, sorry, I can't do it. But um, be, I, mean, I don't know, maybe I got caught up in that. But I missed verse 22. Paul says here, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And maybe because I didn't like quite grasp what, what indispensable actually means. Indispensable means absolutely necessary. These parts are indispensable. They are absolutely necessary. These weaker parts. They are not just nice to have around. They are not convenient. They are not a bonus. They are not extra. They are not decorative. They are absolutely necessary. They are not things we are called to deal with well. They are necessary. And it's through this verse, Shirley's sermon made even more sense to me. Our special needs families are not just treated with special care and honor because they might require it. It's because they teach us more about who God is and who we are as God's people. It's because they have something to teach us as well. And that lesson is indispensable. They teach us about virtue, about celebrating victory, about persevering through each and every single day that can be a grind. I spoke with one family who told me about the rush of victory they experienced as they were changing their child, which was a task in itself. The child struggled to say these words, I love you. But as the child struggled to get these words out, these parents shared, they were encouraged beyond anything. And that they felt the love of God there. Parents, I hope you can cherish the words and the affection of your children just as much as this family. I hope that we can all cherish the love and affection of our friends, of the people around us, half as much as this family does. Before I close, um, 
I want to clarify that uh, this text is really centered around function, about gifting of people, right? How people are gifted, equipped. How they're to serve and to support and to lead the church as the body. But at the end of the day, this text is about people. And there are two things about these last verses that are really convicting me now as I look at them. Because they're centered on one, one thing, right? Uh, the first thing, right, is they're centered on this idea of being absolutely necessary about being indispensable. Because the magnitude of this statement, if you think about it, it's not a small thing, it's kind of a neat thing, but it's kind of a scary thing. Each part is absolutely necessary. So if you have a friend, if you have a child, if you have someone close to you, that person is absolutely necessary. And if you are a parent, I do hope that you take that necessity seriously and you steward your child with care. That you lead them well, you disciple them well that you lead your friends well. You disciple your friends or take part in that discipleship at least. What does that mean? Because they are absolutely necessary, indispensable. And two, this foundational concept is so closely linked to verse 26. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. These two concepts do not exist without each other. You cannot say something is indispensable and ignore its suffering. It doesn't work. There are simply too many things wrong with the Breonna Taylor case from, from the context of the case in general to how the warrant was signed for to how police responded and executed to the police report that was entirely botched and more. But at the end of the day, our justice system declared that what they will be responsible for is the destruction of property. Right? recklessly shooting walls instead of taking responsibility for the death of a woman, of a black woman. This is disturbing and painful news to our black community. And this news causes them suffering. So if I am to tell Elder Scott Elder Tasha, Pastor Sunita, Deborah, Tyler, Darius, my black brothers and sisters at my church, at the church I attend, my, who are part of the church body, if I am to tell them that they are absolutely necessary to the church body, then I will suffer with them. This news, like, all this social media stuff, like it's tremendously triggering for me, actually. Uh, I, I, tend, 
I try to shy away from it, right? Um, but I have committed myself to reading and learning and to listening. Because as heavy it is as it is for me, it's the least I can do to suffer with them. Each part is necessary. Each part is precious. Each part has been placed where God saw fit, crafted with purpose, instilled with his image. We suffer together and honor these things, and that is how we will be united in our differences. Let's pray together. Um, let's just take a moment to pray, to hear from God, to listen to his voice. And right now, more than anything, I hope that the conviction of your heart is a desire to love those around you well. What's that mean? Think of someone. Family, friends. What does it mean to love them well as part of the body of Christ? What does it mean to desire for them to truly function within this body, function well, to thrive in this body, to grow in this body? To take their place in this body. What does that mean? How do we encourage those around us to live like that? How do we live like that? How do we serve like that? That is what we're called to. So Father, I just want to thank you for this time that we had. And we thank you for your word your timeless word, God, your profound word, God. And I thank you, God, for the unity that you call your people to. Not the uniformity, but the unity you call us to. And we are called towards each other. That we are called to be different, but we are called to be centered on you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for the ways in which you loved your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, if you have a communication card, which you can find on the app, there are some next steps. The first is, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord and be united with him for eternity. That's the 
best news that we could possibly hear from you. And if this is you, please check that off. Um, someone will reach out to you. They'll be open to answering any of your questions, um, to talk with you, whatever, provide you with resources. But this is a huge next step, and we're so grateful for it. The second is I will spiritually invest in my family or friends this week by praying with them. Um, again, it's not a weird ask to want to pray for someone. If God puts someone on your heart to pray for them, just pray for them. Ask them, can I pray for you? Even if they say no, it's not a big deal. But I hope that this is not uh, too much of an uncomfortable thing to do, but this would be uh, an everyday thing to do to desire to lift someone up in prayer in that way. The third is sign me up for outreach opportunities that I can help out with. They're out there. Uh, I, I believe that the food pantry is coming to a close, but the opportunities are out there. Uh, I'm sure that uh, we and our, our dear pastor, Sunita especially, will be able to find something for you. But the kingdom does not stop working. So I pray that, um, yeah, you really would follow through and look for opportunities to serve in the body. The last is email me to register to be part of a soul group. So these are uh, what we're calling our small groups uh, this semester. Um, Pastor Peter saw it fit that we would be going through a sermon series based on soul care. It's a book by Dr. Rob Reamer. Uh, it's, a, it's a course that he took uh, for his doctorate program, a course I took at my seminary. But, you know, this is, really, is going to be a really cool, cool thing to go through as a church. So um, I hope that you take it as just an opportunity for discipleship, for growth. Um, yeah. Just check that off if you want to be part of that.